Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. We are going to talk about employee interviews, specifically whether to keep employee interview notes. Now, we are in a very interesting period when it comes to recruitment, when it comes to hiring, right? We've had the great resignation, which during the pandemic led, according to some surveys, more than 50% of employees to leave their job and their industry and go do literally something else. Many times it's something kind of off the grid, an Etsy account, um, some sort of independent contractor, gig work. So we've had a huge transition because of the pandemic. Now with the economy, we're actually having trouble finding workers for jobs. So sometimes we are tempted, of course, to compromise a bit on the skills and the qualities that we want in a person for a particular position. And we also have a situation where sometimes for positions that are very attractive, because many employers are increasing their compensation ranges, they're giving more benefits, you have folks who really want a job who don't get it and they come back and they say, okay, well, I think I didn't get this job because of my race or my sex or my national origin or uh, the fact that you know I'm a marijuana user, right? All of these are protected categories now under the California Fair Employment and Housing Act. And of course they have been for years except cannabis. Cannabis is the new one that is included effective January 1 of 2023. So, how do you defend the hiring decisions you make? Well, one of the important ways to do that is with contemporaneous documentation. And all of you out there in the HR employment law universe have participated in employment uh, interviews, right? Job interviews. And if you're like me, you ask a lot of questions, you scribble things on the person's resume or their application, and then you give it to whoever's in charge of keeping that information. In our firm, it's Ronnie Stover, our firm administrator. And I haven't really given too much thought to what I'm writing on those documents, right? Because it'll just be something like, check this out or talk to reference about this or circling a big employment gap with a question mark, you know, why is there such a gap in employment? And what I need to remember myself and what I wanna remind all of you about is all of that kind of documentation is subject to discovery in a lawsuit. So you need to be super careful what you are writing when you are interviewing someone, all right? And there's two schools of thought here. One school of thought is, all right, let's gather up all the interview notes when we're done and let's shred them. Let's not keep them. That way, if anybody wrote anything dumb or inappropriate or insensitive, it'll be shredded. Nobody will ever know. The other view is, well, gosh, that information could be really important for defending the decision that we're making. So we should keep those notes. Now, I'm going to tell you right away, I have a bias. I'm in category number two. I think you should keep these notes because I think they are really important in showing what your current state of mind was about a particular candidate or applicant. But having said that, your, your notes need to be written correctly. I litigated a lawsuit one time 
where somebody was suing for age discrimination. Our client was an, like an AM, PM type of store, an overnight convenience store. They interviewed for a clerk and they interviewed this woman who was about 70 years old, very slightly built. And they decided this is not who we want for an overnight shift in the middle of this big city where we're located. We actually are not gonna hire this person. Now, that might've been a legitimate basis for making a decision. You know, we're, we are fearing for her safety and the safety of others. We feel like we need someone who's gonna be more of a deterrent in that role. But you know what they wrote on the top of the job application? Too old in big black Sharpie ink. So of course, during the discovery period, when the woman says, gosh, you said I was gonna get this job. Now I'm not getting this job. I don't really understand what the heck's going on here. I think it must be because of my age. Her lawyer gets discovery. So I get a discovery request where clearly I'm gonna have to turn over those notes. So what did I do? I moved to settle the case because that note was gonna be exhibit A in the lawsuit, right? Of the fact that this company thought my client was too old for the job. And the bad part about that is that wasn't really what they were thinking. If she'd been a 70 year old bodybuilder who had a more intimidating presence, they didn't really care about the age. What they cared about was that she was small and slightly built and almost looked frail. So there's a lot that was going on with that situation. But when they wrote too old on the top of the application, we were done. We were cooked. Like the party's over, right? Write the check. Get out the checkbook. We're done. So I love interview notes. And I think they're incredibly important. But you've got to be able to do them correctly. And of course, you in HR and employment law always do them correctly. I know you do. The problem is getting your leaders to do it, right? Because many of them are going to be like me. They're going to scribble, scrabble on the top of something. You're not going to have any idea what it means. So I've really been working hard over the last couple of months to do a better job at that. And I feel like we need to do training, right? Our managers and supervisors need to know, look, we don't want you not writing because writing down what you asked and the information they gave you that could be really valuable down the road if somebody challenges the result, if they challenge the employment decision. But you've got to do it correctly. Number one, please make clear when you made your notes. I'd rather you not write this on top of an application. Keep a separate document, notes of my interviews, name of my candidate or my applicant, what's the time and date of their interview, and then you're typing in or writing your notes. Number two, the notes should be identified as being prepared by someone, right? So I don't want a piece of scribble scrabble in someone's HR file that a year from now we try to figure out whose notes are these? Who wrote these? When did they write them? Every note like that, whether it is for an interview, whether it's for a one-on-one -on -one that you're having with an employee about a performance issue, whatever it might be, you want to have it documented and make it clear that you were the author. And I'll often just write the date and then JBS, right, for my initials. But you've got to have a way to do that. The third thing is the notes have to be saved in the right place. So what I would prefer is that any individual notes related to a job interview are given to a centralized person and maintained in a central location. So maybe they're given to the recruitment manager. Maybe they're given to the HR assistant but they should be housed outside of the individual de uh, department or division or program within HR personnel 
and easily accessible if we need to get to them. Now, would I put them in the individual's personnel file if they're hired? No, that, that is not a personnel file document. That is a recruitment document. That is a document that we used and we relied on during recruitment to be able to um, help us make a decision. Now, one of the things that comes up a lot in this area is, okay, do we need to have some sort of detailed process for how we make a decision? No, you don't. Now, if you want to have 42-step process with charts and graphs, yeah, you can do that, but you're not required to. But it will always be your job as the employer, your burden, if you will, as the employer, to defend your decision. It will always be up to you. So somebody will say, they didn't hire me because I was too old. And then the burden is gonna shift to the employer to say, no, 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 that's not right. I'm gonna show you my legitimate, non-discriminatory reason for what I did. So whether we're giving advice to a client, we're investigating complaints that a client has received, um, we're training on you know, the ABCs of being a supervisor and manager, for example, we always talk about documentation and where it should be stored and how it should be written and the things not to include, right? So you don't wanna include your personal views about somebody's appearance, um, your personal views about if they share a religious belief with you or a political belief with you. Some of these things are difficult, folks. With the general election now behind us, some people are happy, some people aren't, right? There, there's a lot of tension in this country right now about politics, about uh, religious beliefs, about cultural beliefs. So it's really important that you're able as the employer to show, hey, listen, none of that had anything to do with my decision. This is why I made the decision I made. So I would document things like, Jennifer didn't fully answer question number two. Um, great response to question number four about business development. Um, Jennifer repeatedly looked at her cell phone during the interview. That's an important thing to look at, right? Because unless you've said, check your cell phone for some information, she's not focused on the interview. And remember, applicants are the very best they are ever going to be during the interview. It is downhill from there. All right, I'm not kidding. It's downhill from there. So if you get somebody who's late to the interview, not dressed appropriately at the interview, talking about inappropriate things during the interview, looking at their cell phone, seeming distracted, that's the best you're ever going to see that person. So it's really helpful to be able to say, you know, I just didn't connect with Jennifer as much because she had her head in her cell phone. Now, if Jennifer comes in and says, hey, my daughter's really ill, and I didn't want to miss this interview because I'm really excited about this job, but I want to let you know I need to look at my phone to see if I'm hearing from her doctor. Totally different story, right? But it's about judgment. So much of what we do when we hire people is about judgment. Maybe they don't have all the skills yet. Maybe they don't know exactly what we want them to know. But do they have good judgment? Do they have a good sense about ethics? What is right and wrong? What they should be doing? Can they stay in their own lane? right? All of those things are really important. So when you're interviewing folks and for whatever reason, there's a response or something somebody says or doesn't say that leads you to have an impression, you should document that so that you can show down the road, look, we had 10 good applicants and I picked Barry because Barry answered these four questions really well. And I didn't have the same concerns that I had with our second place candidate, my second place candidate, 
who didn't always answer the questions in a direct way, right? Whatever you need to be able to write down to help yourself remember a year or two from now, hey, why did I make this decision? Why did I choose this candidate over the other candidates? Why did I promote this person? Whatever it is you're looking at, you need to be sure that you can, as I said earlier, that you can defend that decision. Now, remember, if you're gonna save these interview notes, having a centralized location is important and you should actually have a process for this. So let's say you do panel interviews. Um, all those interviews should be sent to a particular person to be reviewed and maintained in the file. Now, many public sector employers already have a good process in place for this. They're already doing a good job in this area. They already have a process for what happens to notes and what questions get asked. And that's good. Many private sector employers tend to take a more off the cuff approach and don't always have things as documented or as detailed as um, appropriate. So when you think about it from more of a private sector perspective, there's a lot of opportunity in the private sector to do better in this area. Many, many public sector folks do this very well because with the protections that are afforded to civil servants, right, in the public sector and the due process concerns that have to be complied with because of course it's the government, it's the state that's doing the interviewing. They've already come up with, with a lot of different ways to ensure that they have the right information. Of course, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, if you're going to have a policy or procedure, you better enforce it, right? It better be consistently applied because that's another way for you to get yourself in trouble. So my own personal opinion here is keep those notes, folks. They're important documentation. Keep everything related to that recruiting process and turn it over to the right person in your organization. So they have that information at their fingertips when they need it. And as the information rolls in, they may notice trends. They may notice things that patterns that they wanna look into. So it's really important to ensure that you've got a centralized depository for that information and that the person or people who receive that information are trained in what to look for. We don't just want them filing it. We actually want them to look at it and highlight for us, is there a problem? Is there any issue here? So I would keep those notes, but subject to all of the comments that I've made here today about the proper procedures and the proper processes when you do so. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Be sure you like us, send us comments, send us ideas for topics. We always are open to that. We'd love to hear from all of you. Have a great rest of your day. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.